Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and I have a very special guest today. I'm here with Jason Jenkins. He is a powerhouse when it comes to leading and serving the community in his faith. Uh, he is with an organization called Men Sharpening Men, and they are just doing so much. And I'm, I'm going to read a quote just to give you a background from their website, mensharpeningmen.com. It was created from the pain of seeing men, both young and old drift from their faith in God, as well as in the critical roles they play as a husband, dad, and ambassador of Christ. And men become dull and ineffective without having consistent biblical perspective, encouragement, accountability, and resources poured into their lives. That is such a true statement. And it also, I mean, that carries over into women as well. Jason, welcome to The Brave Place. I'm so pumped to have you here. I'm really excited about this conversation today. Christy, thank you so much for inviting me. This is a beautiful moment to get to share everything that we're doing and what you're doing and how do we make an impact in the community. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very glad to be here. Awesome. Well, there's nobody else I could think of that would do this podcast justice today when we're talking about men sharpening men. And before we go into that, though, I want to start with you and your story. Um, I had the opportunity to hear you and your wife, Amanda, and your daughter, which, by the way, they are rocks in the faith. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, they just blew me away, uh, the way they articulated just their love for the Lord and what He's done in their life and how grounded they are. And so, I mean, your household, y'all just have it going on. I know you have a son, Nolan, too, and I have not had the gift of meeting him, but I would imagine he's a rock as well. So to get that powerhouse household, Mm. (laughs) um, take me through that journey and how you got to where you are today. Wow. It's a a journey and it's a process. Uh, Amanda and I met when we were 16 years old. I had a girlfriend. She had a boyfriend and it was like, see ya. You know, <laughs> yeah. we just, I knew, actually we're moving um, locally, but we're moving. And I found some letters the, the other day that was talking about when we were in high school and I was telling her, I don't know how or why, but we're supposed to do this forever. And wow. it was amazing. I was reading it. And I was like, I can't believe I was writing this, but it was God. Uh-huh. And it wasn't this God moment, angelic event. We were stupid. And- <laughs> kids on purpose and immoral and um, insecure and selfish. And we both looked at at each other and said, a broken person getting with another broken person. Yep, this will (laughs) work. And so we got married at 19 and 20. And we had Emma about three years later. And so we were thinking, okay, well, this is what you do. You go to work, you go to school, you go home, you pay the bills, you raise kids, go to ball games, and 10 years of doing that, it was like, what are we doing? Mm. Why are we here? What What is our purpose? And Amanda even got to the point, she's like, I, 
I didn't sign up for this. I got married when I didn't want to. I went to, I, I sit on a pew every Sunday and I don't know who God is. Oh, wow. What am I doing here? What, what is this game? Cause she is so detailed, organized, and she is not a game player. She's not, she doesn't mince her words. And she's, she literally said, called me from New Orleans from a bar saying, Hey, I'm down in a bar and you know, this is pretty nice. I don't know if I want to go on. And so I was. And how, how far along were you in your marriage when she did make that? That was about year 10, about oh, wow. year 10 of marriage. And so we had Emma and Nolan. Nolan was probably four. Emma was seven. And um, man, it was it rocked my world because here I was comfortable in religion, in church and um, leading worship and speaking and teaching. And we were doing this together, leading life groups. And but it was such a game. I didn't even realize it, that we were very religious, but we weren't godly. We weren't loving God. We were just playing the game, checking the box, wearing the clothes, looking the part. And it became to where she was like, I don't want to do this. Wow. And, you know, I visit with a lot of atheists now and people that run from faith or religion and say, I don't have anything to do with that. Amanda was the same, sick of religion, sick of playing the game, making sure we sat on the pew and um, played the part. So in that, Amanda said, I'm done. And me, my first response, <laughs> like most men, we live in, in such a fix-it mode society. I was going to fix it. I was going to get her with the right people. I was going to get the right worship music going on in her car. I was going to get the right book in front of her. I was going to send her to the right one because she needed to fix herself Mm. because she was the problem. Mm -hmm. And so because I was a great man, (laughs) I was a great man of God that was leading and loving and um, very unselfish. And no, not not at all. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the greatest moments I was sharing with my brother about um, what she was doing, and she's wanting to go down to LSU to see her sister Katie and spend time with her, and she's wanting to go back to New Orleans and go to these events. And I'm like, she's doing this and she's doing that. And he said, repeat after me. And I said, okay. He said, 100% of my problem. I said, 100% of my problem, he said, is me. I said, is me? No, (laughs) it ain't me. (laughs) You're like, I'm the Bible teacher. Yeah, I'm... have I'm you heard one. me lead worship? <laughs> I have got this down. Yeah. And so it, mm. she was the problem. And he said, man, you can't change people. You need to find out what a godly man looks like. Go back to heal all the wounds you have. Be the man that you're supposed to be. And then if she comes back around, she comes back around. But regardless, you're going to be the man of God you're supposed to be. Wow. I was like, dang, <laughs> in, a, in a much worse way. Yeah. <laughs> and so really, I said, I went to her and said, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to be a man one day that loves, leads, provides, and is going to be a godly man. I don't know what it looks like, but if you leave now, you're never going to see it and you'll regret it. And so will I. Wow. And so in that season, I mean, I remember it specifically. So a, a, a friend committed suicide mm-hmm. and he had on, on Christmas. And so his funeral was a few days later and I was going to the gravesite, and she called me and I pulled over on the side of the road and she said, can you meet me at Chili's? We need to work this out. And I said, oh my gosh. And I sat there and just cried and cried and cried and went and met her. And we didn't know what it looked like, but we knew we weren't going to quit. We took divorce off the table and um, the journey began really. Wow. So 
whenever this guy said, you need to face yourself, you need to start. It was my brother, Jeff. It was your brother. Yeah. Did anyone walk alongside you as you started pursuing this personal inward growth and change? Yes. So I surround, we're we're from West Monroe, Louisiana. And so we're good friends with all the Duck Dynasty crew. And (laughs) so Alan Robertson, the oldest brother, I mean, I just remember going to his living room and sitting on the floor and just crying, said, look, I don't even know if it's going to work out, but I want to be this guy. And there's a standard that I don't know and that I'm not living by, but I want it. And so, and then there was another part where I was doing some work for Willie on the mm-hmm. side. And then I was spending time with Jace Robertson mm-hmm. and learning how to share the gospel and learning how to live a life that's not about you. And so there were several people that I had to lock shields with that I had to do life with because I knew I couldn't do it alone. And then there was a guy named Eddie Parrish is a marriage family therapist down in Baton Rouge. And my brother said, you've got to go see him. You've got to go see him. And so I went and saw him and with I told Amanda, with or without you, we've I've got to go. And so she agreed to go and she's sitting in the parking lot and is like, don't expect me to say anything. Because <laughs> she wasn't ready for counseling and for all that. But we walk in and it we meet with them once a year, whether we need it or not. And wow. so it's it was a beautiful moment to have people that surrounded me that said, you know, here's what it looks like, here's how you do it. They really discipled me mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. being a loving, affectionate father and husband and man of God. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate so much about what you're saying is it's that humility. You know, not many people will do that where they will pursue, they will say, look, I need you to help me. I want to be this guy. You know, they try and do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I personally have never met anyone that could do it on their own. Mm. I, I've mm-hmm. never been able to do it on my own. I, I know when I'm left to my own devices, I'm an idiot. I mean, just being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it, if it weren't for the people of my church, um, just strong Christian women who are speaking truth and life over my situation mm-hmm. and and over me, uh, I, I wouldn't be anywhere close Mm -hmm. to where I am today. And I still feel like I am so far. Mm -hmm. Um, The more you grow, I think you realize how far away you are Mm -hmm. from where you would love to be. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that that's my, my perspective Mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, when I, when I heard you speak, you were very honest and vulnerable and open just Mm -hmm. about your past and, and your life. And not many men will do that. Um, there is a freedom that I see in you where it, it's not about what other people think. It really is about get, getting the message out there. And and so I know not just me, but a lot of people look on that and they're like, how does he do that? So what do you think your secret is behind that? I would like to say that I'm just this bold, faithful guy that loves Christ and I've got it all together. But like I said, being who I am today um, in the way I do things is so different than the way I used to and the way it used to used to, you know, going, going through at a young age, being molested as a kid Mm. and then, okay, what is this like? And all of a sudden I started failing in classes and I was fumbling the football. I was a great running back and I quit track and I I, I quit football my senior year. And so I went through all of this pain and all of this journey of being, well, At about 30, our whole family goes to counseling, Mm. me and my mom and dad and brothers. And all of this junk comes out on the table that happened with my parents, that happened with my grandparents and just this 
hell of stories. Well, there were things in our family that was like, no, we don't talk about that. Don't bring that up. Mm. Don't talk about that. And so that created in me, I don't, we, we have a line in our family, nothing is taboo. I don't, I don't want there to be anything unsaid, anything unspoken. David even talked about in Psalms that my bones rot away because of my unconfessed sin. Hmm. James 5 says, hey, go to the elders and have them anoint you and pray over you Mm -hmm. because there is pain attached to your unconfessed sin, to the things that you're going through. And it's not necessarily sin, but it's just hell in your life. Mm -hmm. I got to get that out. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed Mm -hmm. to be in me. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized there's nothing good ever comes from secrets. Mm. Yeah. And Amanda and I, me, me having this being brought up 10, 12 years old, introduced to pornography Mm. and having this image of what sex looks like, of what marriage looks like, of what relationships are. I damaged every girl I ever dated Mm. or every touched inappropriately Mm -hmm. and went through this whole deal because I thought that's what you do. That's. That's what this is about. So, and then you bring pornography into your home as a a young married guy. And then in marriage, whenever that's destroying your home Mm. and destroying your family and breaking trust. And then it's like, okay, okay, let's do this differently. And let's do this well. How do I become a man that learns how to speak the truth and be bold and say, no, I'm a failure. I stink a lot. I stink a lot on purpose. Here I am sitting down with the kids and sharing all my stories. I mean, all of those things in life bring you to the point to where you're either sick of it and hate it and you're done mm-hmm. being that guy, mm-hmm. or that just becomes you for the rest of your life and that's who you are. And I didn't want to be that guy. Wow. Wow. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned um, pornography because I did want to talk to you about that, just talking talking about things that are hindering our men today because a lot of people, they don't see the harm in pornography And so what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) You know, pornography creates this image Mm -hmm. that this is what love is Mm -hmm. and this is what your wife is supposed to do, Mm -hmm. supposed to be. And the word wicked literally means twisted. Mm. And what Satan does with pornography, he takes the truth of what God says Here's the beauty of marriage. Here's the beauty of sex. And he twists it just a little bit because men get afraid. And I was one of them. They get afraid. Rejection Mm. is not fun. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who never says no? Mm. Pornography. Star on the pornography. I mean, whoever she is wearing whatever you want. And today... It's not like you got to put on a trench coat and go to the grocery, go to the gas station and act like you're 17 or whatever. No, in four seconds, you can have it on your phone. Right. Satan wants to make anything available soon. Now it's the quick fix society. It's Mm -hmm. we want it now, just Mm -hmm. like a cheeseburger. You can have sex right now. Right. We're corrupt to the core. Mm -hmm. I mean, in seconds, I can go mm-hmm. anywhere in my mind. Yeah. Well, if the enemy's there and I'm not living by the Spirit of God, mm-hmm. dude, you're doomed. Your marriage is doomed. So that's a. That's why I kind of laughed. It's like, what is pornography doing in men today? They're creating it where they never have to go to their wives. They make a check, go home, everything's deposited, everything's paid for, and they're not talking about nothing. Yeah. They're not. They're not having issues. We're not. Well, we're having sexual issues. 
no, we're not having sexual issues because I'm getting all of mine over here. Right, <laughs> right, right. So it's it's not it, it. People live together their whole life and never really grasp it. And so the number one problem, the number one reason for divorce and marriage, is not sex, money, or in-laws. Mm-hmm. It's about communication mm-hmm. <laughs> about sex, <laughs> money, and in-laws. So what I need, what, what I have to figure out, what we have to figure out is men and women and marriage. Okay. How do I come to my wife and say, Hey, this is what it means to me. And I'm not fixing to go to pornography. I've got to discard that regardless. But I feel like there's distance between us. I want to learn how to be honest with you. I want to learn how to communicate in a way that we are naked and unashamed. Mm. And we have a relationship that we can come to each other about anything. And I got to tell you, it's difficult sometimes whenever you keep telling me no. And so, wow, look what that brings open and, and starts. And Right, <laughs> right. On the website, Men Sharpening Men, um, this is quote, it says, how can you honor your bride when you have sex with a woman on a screen? Hmm. The woman on the screen is someone's broken daughter you are abusing. You will never look at your bride with honor because you have too many sexual experiences with other women in fantasy land. That is where your heart is. If that is where your heart is, you will never honor women. It's a trap. Be satisfied with your wife. Be joyful with your wife. Be honest with your wife. And you say, men, we have to raise our boys to honor women. They will treat women how you treat their mom. And you said, I heard Lou Holt say, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. best thing a father can ever do for his children is to love their mother. What a great lesson. Our boys will be like us, whether we like it or not. They will do what we do. And uh, I, I just think all those words are really powerful. And one thing that I I just see from what how just women I know that have been affected by husbands who have been involved in pornography, um, they just feel like they cannot measure up to this fantasy ever. And so it is this constant state of rejection for a woman, and it deteriorates um, a marriage, obviously, but also just the self-esteem of a woman in and of itself. And and I, I don't think men understand the impact they have on their wives. Mm-hmm. I just love what you say about honoring your bride. And so for those men who are struggling in that department right now, who are just trapped right now in the middle of pornography, mm. what would you say to them? Mm. You know, it's so easy when you start working, getting in the workplace and being gone and being away from home. And you're not spending a lot of time at home and you, you, you forget, you know, we easily forget. And David even says, hey, don't forget the wife of your youth. Mm. It's like, man, I mean, I could cry because you, you start thinking of just the joys you had and everything was fun watching Emma and her boyfriend or fiance now. Um, just go through all the fun and silly stuff and the laughing at each other and cutting up and just hugging and kissing for no reason. Dave is like, don't forget that. Don't forget the wife of your youth and the joyfulness and the fun and the excitement and the, all the adventure and the doing things first with each other. And man, it's just so beautiful. And when what we do forget though is whenever we get wrapped up in the world mm-hmm. it bl- it blinds us and makes us forget and then all of a sudden say that there's five things that I want my wife to do and she does four really well okay so that fifth thing I'm needing or wanting and she doesn't do it well I go t- to work 
And Susie, that's my secretary or whoever, she comes up and starts doing that. It's like, oh, wow, I think I love her. She does what my wife doesn't do. Mm-hmm. And then all, it's gone. And then you, it's twisted. And so then it's gone, the joy you had, the love you had. And then David says, may the breast of your wife of mm-hmm. your youth satisfy you always. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, I just want to look at her. I mean, Amanda is total silver-headed right now. Mm-hmm. And her little dimples and her blue eyes that just shine in mm-hmm. that silver, I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And she rolls her eyes and says, oh, stop it. But I have to do this because... One, I love it. Two, if I go out there and someone else receives my compliment well, that that I'm just being a complimenter, great boots, I love your boots, whatever I say, and they're like, wow, thank you. That meant so much to me. Or I post something on social media and they respond with a private message saying, I don't know you that way. This meant so much to me and mm-hmm. that it's great to get a compliment. Next thing you know, you're talking back and forth. Whoa. Hey. Right. Don't forget the wife of your youth. Well, I I think one thing that our society has done is, I mean, they've offered this counterfeit, like you're saying, um, version of love and and acceptance, you know, in the sense of like a pornography prostitute, whoever, they'll tell you what you want to hear. But it's not true intimacy. Intimacy is to be fully known. And that's something that you Mm. build, Mm. you know, Mm. and it's something that you grow with another person. And, And I think one thing, you mentioned where you said, you know, when, when your wife tells you no, like you go to her and you say, this is how I'm feeling here. This is how this is affecting me. And I think that is such a missing piece in a lot mm-hmm. of men. And I don't know if that's because it's a humility factor that has to take place mm-hmm. um, if it or if it's the vulnerability. And, and God bless men. Um, I mean, I just I feel for men because you're taught your whole lives not to show your feelings. That's right. Not to be vulnerable, not to be humble. You got to, you know, walk with your chest puffed out mm-hmm. and say, I got this. That's basically what you got to walk around being like, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And and there's this false sense of uh, toughness and mm-hmm. pride, but it, it hinders you in these deep you know, committed relationships mm-hmm. where you could mm-hmm. really experience the joy of true intimacy. And so I, I, I do feel like so many men and this women can be here too. Right. I, I feel right. like it's, it's easier for women because we're for the most part communicators. So basically, I mean, one thing I hear you saying is you are willing to mm. go to your wife, talk to her. And in, even in that, that builds intimacy. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, more intimacy will come because she's listening, she's hearing you, and she's meeting that need. And then you can continue to talk about it. And then pretty soon, once you experience that depth and level of intimacy, mm-hmm. this counterfeit form won't that's even right. compare. That's right. Or come close. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's what he designed it for. <laughs> In a marriage, man, it is, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. In the fact of, I love what John Eldridge said. He said in Wild at Heart that the number one fear of men is being found out. Mm. And it's like, I don't want to open up my heart and say, here I really am. Because it might get stepped on again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the porcupine that is, yeah, I'm prickly all over. Mm-hmm. I'm prickly all over, prickly all over. And I don't want you to really see what's in me. Mm-hmm. Once a year, that porcupine opens up and reveals <laughs> his open, soft side. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what if every time a man does that, he gets shut down or a woman? Mm-hmm. 
gets shut down, rejected. You know what? I'm just going to keep this right here. Right. I'm going to keep closed up and I'm not letting you in. That's never going to work with a marriage. Right. So it's I had to learn how to do this. You know what? This is really not going to be easy. But the joy that comes from being open and honest is mm-hmm. Always, even if I get rejected, mm-hmm. I I was secure and solid enough to say, mm-hmm. here's how I'm feeling. This is what this looks like to me. That rejection is mm-hmm. even better mm-hmm. than the guilt on the other side of pornography. Mm. It's like that. I have to keep in mind that's never worth it. Mm-hmm. It never pays off. Mm-hmm. There's no joy in that ever mm-hmm. that is lasting. Here, I have a chance to grow I have a chance to mature. I have the chance to where we can build our relationship a little more. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, and I, I think even all men, even who are trapped in pornography, at the end of the day, they truly in the heart of hearts desire that level and that depth of intimacy. Yeah. They're like, man, what would it be like to be fully connected to someone and mm-hmm. fully known and mm-hmm. still accepted? Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend the other day about being a shame breaker in someone's life. And the, and the way you do that is is you allow them to be fully themselves, mm-hmm. admit, confess everything they know to do to you, and you still accept them and love them just as they are and that's what God does for us, right? That's right. And I, I think that's such a good point about the porcupine because it is so scary to reveal all mm-hmm. of you. And if people could just go ahead and do it anyway, mm-hmm. just take the risk. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you take the risk to anyone, but your spouse, I mean, if that becomes a regular thing, it starts with one step. And then the next step, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And then if you just continue doing it mm-hmm. before you know it, you, you've really opened up a whole new world mm-hmm. of intimacy that you never knew was possible. And, it, and healthy growth, healthy mm-hmm. growth in a marriage totally comes from risk. Yeah. It's taking mm-hmm. a risk and saying, you know, I don't even know what this it's yeah. Abraham taking Isaac to the top. Of, I don't even know the result of this, <laughs> but I know God's going to be God and he's got this. Mm-hmm. And it's me opening up to my wife saying, I, you know. I just got to share this with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So today, like, how do you protect your spiritual walk? You know, you're in front of a lot of people. You talk to a lot of people. How do you protect yourself? Hmm. That's a great question. Psalm 1 is a beautiful reference to um, what does life look like? Um, and we we memorize this as a family, and it begins with, Blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the seat of mockers, or take the way that sinners take. And so basically just what we were talking about a while ago, if you hang out with stupid, that's who you become. <laughs> and we shared this with the kids, and they memorized it. We memorized it as a family. Who do I hang out with? Who do I spend time with? Who who? What kind of people am I involved in? Who you hang out with is who, is who you are. Mm. It's what you become. Mm-hmm. Um, if I hang out with negative, man, I'm going to be negative. I had a, a friend that was not too, it was a pretty good while ago, but man, he, he was just negative. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't do this and come home and all of a sudden be positive. Yeah. So it says, blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the counsel of the wicked. And it goes on to say, but he meditates on God's law day and night. Mm which means the word meditate is like a cow that eats grass Mm. in the morning and he chews on it and he swallows it. And then throughout the day, you know what he does? He regurgitates it. He brings it back up, chews on it some more, swallows it, regurgitates it, brings it back. And so, and then it says, after he swallows it, 
it that man he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water and his fruit will come in season and everything he does will prosper he'll i mean his leaves will never wither it's like wow how beautiful is that and he said that man will never die he'll physically die mm-hmm. but spiritually i'm alive but forever, mm-hmm. forever. Why? Because I spent time with godly people and I spent time in God's word and I just bathed in it. Jesus, even his example was, hey, I'm even the mobs are chasing him. He's like, I'm going to go over here. I got to go. I got to go be with the father. And it says in Hebrews that he went with fervent cries and tears out to God. So if I'm spending time with God in prayer and if I'm spending time with godly people and I'm hanging out in his word and seeing how much he loves me, man, that it's the greatest recipe (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I've found. Mm -hmm. No, that's so good. And I cannot tell you how many podcasts where I have talked to just exceptional um, people in their faith. And that's one of the main things they talk about. Mm. It's who do you surround yourself Mm. with? And that doesn't. You know, friends is mentioned more than hell in the Bible. It's mentioned more than money. It's mentioned more than anything. It's crucial. I mean, go through Proverbs. It's like, my God. Goodness, how he talked about hanging out with friends and don't surround yourself with idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and, and and with that said, too, it doesn't mean we block out the rest of the world, right? That's right. But as far as, just like you said, who you surround yourself is who you become. And and I want to point out, too, um, there's nobody that prayed more than Jesus in mm. the Bible. Mm. So why wouldn't we do yeah. that? Um, I, I, I love that you point that out, just prayer and who you surround yourself with and just what you feed yourself yourself is truly the fruit that will come. You know, one one of those things that whenever we talk about prayer is I literally had a terrible prayer life. Mm. I mean, I I literally, okay, three or four words and falling asleep or praying for a meal or just halfway trying to never even really studied it, never really even thought about, okay, what is this deep? What is this prayer? And then when you go to realize that my life is a living prayer, mm. I'm constantly in so walking and talking with God and spending. I love the song, the old hymn that says, uh, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And then it says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. How beautiful is that, that in the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known that we have a relationship that it is a constant prayer. It's a constantly walking, it's a constant spending time with God that I've read that there's 96 15 minute periods in a 24 hour day. 96. 96 15 minute periods in a 24 hour day. You're a teacher. I I know. That's just math. (laughs) You knew that. I just, so, I've never, never thought about that. That so, sounds so. Like, can crazy. I find fifteen minutes out of those ninety six opportunities? To be just devoted to prayer, devoted to His Word, devoted. And it's like, okay, if I can't, man, you'll you'll be like the seed that fell on the ground and the sun came and scorched it because you just couldn't find the time. The worries of the world and the pleasures of life ate you up. Wow, that's pretty impactful. Mm. I've never thought. There's 96 opportunities to 96. just spend 15 minutes. Wow. 
And our favorite line, I mean, hey, think about it. This is America. Somebody comes in, how you been? What is the number one line? Busy. Man, I'm just been busy. Hey, we need to get there. Oh, I've been busy. Man, that's exactly what the enemy wants. So good. We we are out of time. And I want to I wanna end with this because I, I do want to talk about what men sharpening men. Um, if there's anyone listening that wants to get involved with that, be a part of that, be discipled, what can they do? Give me a call. Reach out to on social media. Also, the website, mensharpeningmen.com. This fall, we're kicking off another Man U, Man University. Cool. And it's about 16 weeks. So it's the whole journey, how to pray, how to worship, how do I give, how do I serve, how do I love, how, how do I father, marriage, all of those things we cover in those 16 weeks. And, you know, many men give their life to Christ and they sit on a pew for years, years, and they think that, okay, well, I meet with this life group, and that is that is beautiful. What a great part of your journey. There's more that we're called to. Mm-hmm. There's more that we're called to. And many men call us saying, you know, I've been in this life group forever, and I'm just, they're they're bored. They're like, I'm, I'm not bored with Christianity, but sort of, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of. And so there's another level that you live with that you expectations that you that your standards it's like oh it's a beautiful beautiful thing when a man says i get it mm-hmm, i mm-hmm, get mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and then not only does he get it but he learns how to share it and he mm-hmm. learns how to teach it and he's discipling other men and it's about multiplication amen to that well, I hate to do this, but I need to press pause on this interview because we are out of time. But I hope those of you listening will join us for the part two, which is already available for you to download. So if you're enjoying this interview, you don't want to miss part two. Jason's going to talk about the importance of a man's role in the family. He also shares just real life ways men can be there for their wives or sons and daughters. And and he shares just the key ingredients of discipling other men and how to carry that out just practically on a daily basis. So there's just so much good stuff waiting for you in part two. You don't want to miss it. Please go check it out. And also, if you haven't subscribed to The Brave Place, please do. We'd love for you to rate us and comment. And if you have a brave story or anything else you want to say about our podcast, please shoot me an email to Christy at thebraveplace.org. And Christy is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. Now, I know I usually do a final brave word and challenge, but we Truly, we are totally out of time. And I felt like Jason's interview just had too many truth bombs to cut it short. So I'm going to save the final word and challenge for the end of part two. Please hop on over there and check it out. God bless you. Thanks for hanging with us today. Have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network. 